Hello, hello, everyone. This is Kim Langland, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Welcome to another episode, and I am so glad and happy that you are deciding to share just a small portion of your day with myself and my special guest today, Carol Pasternak. She is an author, teacher, photographer, and sought-after speaker who has been raising monarch butterflies with her families for 40 years. In her free time, she could be found in ditches, meadows, and forests scouring every crevice for signs of wildlife. She encourages others to become conservation activists through her Facebook page, The Monarch Butterfly Crusader. Carol, thank you so much for being my guest today. And I love your bio, especially the part where it says you can be found in ditches, meadows, and forests, because I often find myself in those very same places. And that is where I find the most peace. So welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I get to talk about insects. And I know. Yes. And I'm excited about it. I absolutely love butterflies and I'm fascinated watching them when they come in the springtime and as they fly and, you know, you can tell the ones that are just, uh, just learning because they seem a little wonky, you know, <laughs> it's just, and they're beautiful to watch because they're so, it's such a peaceful thing to watch them flutter from flower to flower, you know, and I was just so excited to have you on. So, hey, I'm, I just want, I know you've got a book that has sold over 50,000 copies. So congratulations on that. That is amazing. So I, I want to hear about the book and how that journey started. Uh, I was in law school about 40 years ago. And this guy asked me for a date and his idea of a fun time was spending two hours riding a bicycle in the hot sun, arriving at a conservation center, having a picnic and looking for caterpillars. That's awesome. <laughs> that was the idea of a fun date. Seemed good to me. So I married him. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a perfect story right there. I love it. I love it. Your journey right. began with meeting him. He raised butterflies ever since and with our children and, and, and discovered it's the best summer hobby ever for kids because you get to go on a hunt and you find them. And I found one and I found a big one and I found a small one. We're having this fabulous time. Then we bring them home, have them in a rearing container. We might be at the cottage and the rearing container we show it to all the other kids at the cottage and they're having a good time and now it's the next day and and, and we, we what are we going to do today well oh my goodness the caterpillars have eaten all the milkweed we've got to go out and get more milkweed for the caterpillars okay everybody get ready we're going out to get more milkweed now we're outside and there's other things happening there's other bugs and there's other birds we get more milkweed and Oh, there's more caterpillars. So this is a fantastic hobby that immerses kids in nature and is really fun. Well, it immerses, sounds like it immerses those that are still kids at heart in nature as well. Uh, adults are continually smitten with this uh, hobby. There is a Facebook page called The Beautiful Monarch. There are 63 thousand people in this group okay and the group is only for newcomers to monarch butterflies and it's all adults and they all as soon as they rear one caterpillar they are standing up on every rooftop telling everybody that they can't believe it they're telling every friend they can't believe it they're getting emotionally involved with an insect and when i say emotionally involved if one of them is sick 
and they post a picture of it, and they somebody and they say, "Is it going to make it?" And ten people come in and say, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's not going to make it." Well, now the person is it my fault? And then they have a, they literally, it's if it dies, it's rest in peace. There's a whole support group that comes in to help people, so they get very, very emotionally involved. Love it. Then that turns into connecting with their friends and their children and their grandchildren. So this is for adults, kids of any age, it's the best hobby ever. And it has a side effect of making you healthier in every way and saving the planet. It doesn't get any better than that. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. And I've not, I've not ever reared a, a butterfly, but I was telling you a little bit off mic that I just so enjoy watching them. Where I live, I live in the country and I'm blessed to live where I live so I can enjoy nature and all the critters out there and, and the bugs. I mean, I'm fascinated by all of it and I am often out there, you know, I'll, I'll see something and I'll, I'll get down right on my hands and knees in the dirt to check it out and say, well, look at him, look what he's doing. You know, <laughs> I just, it's fascinating. It's a whole nother world that so often we overlook or simply take for granted. That other world out on your nice property that may be in the country comes right to my backyard in suburbia in a townhouse facing a major street. World of Bugs comes to my tiny little place because I've put in the right plants and I'm not a gardener. The hobby is really easy to learn. You plant a couple of milkweeds, a butterfly, a monarch comes and lays eggs on it. Now this summer, Kim, you have to take in a, a monarch caterpillar because you're not going to believe what happens to it. It molts five times. What's the big deal? It molts. Well, it's not a big deal until you're watching it uh, four inches from your face crawling out of its skin and then casting its face off. <laughs> Cast its face off, has a different color face. And within 20 minutes, it has a brand new face. And Every step of the metamorphosis, metamorphosis is that exciting until the birth, okay? Now, you've got a sense of awe. What are we looking for in life? A rush, a sense of awe, a sense of connection. And then when it emerges, you can put your finger out and it will cling its little claws onto your finger. And you can watch it pump up its wings, hanging from your finger, and you won't believe it. And does it know you? Is it connected to you? Well, wait until it lands on your shoulder and you wonder how much are we connected to every living thing? That's amazing. And I love the picture that you paint, how you described that. Cause I, I'm a very visual person and, and I'm used to being outdoors and you know, I, I watch the critters. I've got deer and possum and raccoon and everything in my area on a daily basis and it's just it's the most peaceful thing and i will often say i am so at one with nature just sitting on my deck looking out across my yard and into the woods and seeing what peeks its head out you know because you just never know and it's all we're all connected the the bugs and the animals and everything they all serve their purpose you know it's the circle of life thing you know it's they all serve their purpose and if we could all just live in harmony with all of that and experience that awe 
that you were talking about watching the butterfly go through its changes, you know, and, and come out this beautiful, this beautiful little being that's just so peaceful. Now, I do have a question on butterflies. What's their average lifespan? Well, if uh, most butterflies live about a month, and if you're a monarch butterfly born in May, June, July, or the first half of August, you live about a month. But if a monarch butterfly emerges in late August or September, it will live nine months. Now, where do you get another organism that lives either one month or nine months, depending on what month it was born in? That's very interesting. I did not know that. So how, how can that even be? Well, the, the, the late season monarchs can't stay in the snow. They won't survive, so they have to migrate. And they can only come back from the migration sanctuary when it warms up. So they fly to Mexico if they're east of the Rocky Mountains. So they fly to Mexico, they take two months to do that, and then they're in a state of semi-hibernation in the mountains of Mexico for five months. And they do that until the milkweed in Texas starts to erupt. And then they make a beeline at the beginning of March heading to Texas so that they can lay their eggs and die. But in the meantime, they've lived nine months. I've always been in awe of, I mean, I've known that they, that, that they travel, but I didn't know there was different lifespans of, according to when they were, you know, born. But I, you know, I've always been amazed at something that's seemingly so fragile can travel so, because I'm in Pennsylvania and getting down to Mexico, that's an awful long journey. And I'm often amazed at even birds and stuff. They're, they seem so fragile, but they travel thousands of miles through all kinds of weather, I can only imagine, you know, and they make it, they, you know, they make it, they're, they're sturdy and hardy. And I, I love that. So this monarch that weighs less than a paperclip, uh, it takes two months to travel its 3000 miles and it does it on its own. And it's never done it before facing all those hazards that you're talking about storms, crop dusting, cars, drought, and it does it on its own. So we have, birds, ducks, they live for years and they go in groups. So one of them has been there before. There's a leader. You can see the geese flying in formation. The deers migrate, but there's a herd and a leader. Each of these monarchs does it on their own. Now see, that's something else I didn't know. That's amazing. I'm actually in awe of those little things now, more so than I was before. <laughs> and that they instinctively know this is where I have to go. And they just, they go in faith and it'll take them two months. And yes. then they finally reach where they're supposed to be. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm here. It's a small region in central Mexico, 10,000 feet up in the mountains. And that's where they go every year. It's amazing. You can even go and see them there. There's four sanctuaries that are open to the public. I've seen pictures online and videos online with them, you know, just thousands and thousands of them on the trees. And then when they take flight, it's just like an explosion. Have you been there? Have you been able to visit there? Yes, I've been twice and I'm very excited about going again next February. 
Oh, awesome. Awesome. That's got to be such an experience. Now, do they have in the sanctuaries, they have people I'm assuming that take care and watch over everything while the butterflies are there? They have a guide for every person or group to, to protect the monarchs. You go there in, in whispers. You don't touch them, even if they're dead, and there's dead ones all over the place. So there is a reverence for the monarch butterfly in Mexico because the Mexicans and many other people believe that the uh, spirit of their ancestors uh, is in the monarch butterfly. So they're treasured and protected. You know, there's, um, here I worked with in the senior healthcare industry for years and there was a yearly, there used to be prior to COVID, a yearly event where hundreds of people would gather and they would all have a butterfly. It was wrapped in a little paper thing. And um, it was there, they were honoring their loved one who had passed that previous year. And they, you know, they would, at a certain speci a specified time, all of the monarchs would be released. And so often, and it would be the little ones, you know, like the grandchildren or the children that had lost a parent. And the butterflies would, you know, make their wobbly way. And so often they would land on the children's head or on their face or on their shoulder. And it was a beautiful thing, but I often wondered about the process of the butterflies and then they're wrapped in paper and shipped. I, I don't know much about it. And I, I always kind of made me somewhat uncomfortable for the poor little things. You, you've raised two really important issues here. One is the spiritual nature of butterflies, which, which give comfort to people who have lost loved ones. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of reports of people who are mourning and have a, had a butterfly experience that they believe is a visit from a departed loved one. And I had the chance in my newest book called Five Butterflies to write about issues. And in addition to talking about four butterflies and a moth, I have five chapters on issues. And one of them is the spiritual nature. And uh, I interviewed a person who had written a book on visits from butterflies to people who are mourning and, and it's fascinating. But the other one is very controversial and I'm glad you raised it because I talk about it in this book and I am expecting to get a lot of heat for it. But I explained it. So the butterfly, it, it, it's called butterfly breeders, uh, ship the, breed and ship these butterflies for the purposes of these ceremonies and other uh, uh, things that people like. So how do they do it? Uh, they raise the butterflies, feed them under the most sterile conditions. People are very concerned that butterfly breeders spread disease, but they don't want to have diseased butterflies because then they're going to be out of business. Now, yes, there are some invisible diseases, but they raise them in the most sterile conditions. They actually bleach the eggs and sanitize everything. I've been there. I've seen it myself. Okay, so now, and they love butterflies, so we're talking humane. Now, now we've got the adult butterfly, and we fold its wings and put it into a little envelope. Okay, it doesn't move. You put it in a cooler, and it sleeps. All insects sleep in a cooler. They're sleeping all night. If you have been in the forest in the morning, you'll find a bumblebee just sleeping. You can touch it. It can't move. The dragonflies can't move. Okay, so now we've got a butterfly sleeping in an envelope in a cooler. It's shipped in the cooler. At the, the, the release, you may not see, but it's in the cooler until 
two minutes before the release. They pass around the butterflies, the butterflies start to warm up. Okay, you take it out and it may be a little groggy. This is where the timing is really important, okay? If you just leave it on your finger until three minutes till the sun warms up, it has a beautiful flight. If you, it, you know, if it falls off your finger and you think, oh, this is horrible, it's just because you've started it a little bit too early. So it can be a very meaningful experience. The butterflies aren't harmed. We get everybody uh, more aware of butterflies and loving nature. Generally speaking, it's a really good thing. I'm glad you shared that because I would never have known that. I just thought, oh, they're shipping all these poor little things in these little envelopes and I'm so glad you shared that. You've put my mind at ease. <laughs> Just like they do in Mexico. Right, right. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. So your your book, I do want to talk about your book. Um, and it's the first one. It's, I believe, was geared toward children. It's called a Step-by-Step Guide for Kids. It should be kids of any age. The adults like it as much as the kids. So tell me a little bit about that journey of how you, you're, you're like, well, you know, I've got to write a book and this is what it's going to be and this is how I'm going to do it. Well, that's how books often happen. It's not how my book happened. Uh, I had a hobby. Uh, I raised butterflies and I had a camera. So I took some pictures of butterflies and then uh, digital photography came in. Whoa, you don't have to be a photographer. You know, I could take 10 pictures of this caterpillar. Well, let me take 50. Yeah, how about 100? Let me take 100. I'm going to get a good one, okay? I'm going to turn the buttons all around, and I take 100, and I get a good one. But when you raise uh, butterflies, a photographer's dream come true because an hour after it emerges, it's old enough to handle, not ready to fly. You get it to crawl onto your finger. You put it on a sunflower. You put it somewhere else. And my most popular picture of the monarch on a sunflower is staged because I put the monarch there. And then I took 5,000 pictures of it with a two pixel camera. And I probably sent it to you and the resolution isn't great, but people go wild over that. And in fact, it's my cover page right now in solidarity with Ukraine. So, so I printed up a few and then my kids told me, mom, we are not printing photographs anymore. You have, they look better on the computer. All right, Kim, I'm inviting you over for dinner next week. And, and afterwards, come over to my computer. I'm going to show you pictures. Yeah, yeah boy, am I going to be popular. <laughs> the next thing that happens is a photo book comes technology. Oh, look at this. I can put my pictures in a photo book. Then I can have it somewhere. And Kim, you're not forced to watch it, to see it. I can just put it somewhere. Okay, now I'm going to summer camp. Uh, an adult summer camp, and I've got all my rearing containers on my dining room table, and I have to take them with me because I'm going to camp. So I take them with me, and I put them at the back of the mess hall, and I put them there for all the campers, the adult campers, to see, and I put my photo book on the table. Well, people went wild. Carol, look at these pictures. They're so fantastic. You've you got to get this published. And every time I smiled and said, Thank you very much. And to myself, I said, you're a really good friend. I'm sure if I showed you pictures of my grandchildren, you'd be equally enthusiastic. Hey, they're my friends. Well, after about 50 or 60 people told me I should get this published, I remembered 
a passage in a book called The Artist's Way. And it said, the universe is always sending us messages. And what do we do with them? We toss them away. We toss them away. As if 50, 60 people have told me I have to write a book. How many times does the universe have to hit me on the head before I do it? Well, I never thought about writing a book. I never considered myself a writer, but I wrote a book. And it sold over 50,000 copies. And the, rest, <laughs> and, and the rest is history. Hundreds of thousands of lives I've changed uh, and in my, in my heart. The impact, I was just gonna say the impact that that book has had First of all, for me anyway, it's a peaceful topic and the world needs more of that, needs more peace, needs more gentleness, more kindness. And I, I just love, I love the idea of your book I, I, and I'm, I'm going to be getting myself a copy very soon. I'm excited about, you've got another book coming out too, don't you? Yes, it's called Five Butterflies and my mission is moving uh, towards being a motivational nature speaker. My, my mission is to get people off their devices and into nature for the reasons of, of into nature. Now we have to prove that nature is good for people, but we know it's the best thing spiritually, emotionally, the best for your brain. You're going to have better relationships. You're going to be smarter, happier, healthier. Pause your device and get into nature. And I'm combining that with planting native plants. It, it, the whole thing goes together because 6,000 acres of habitat is lost every day in the states to development. We, we just have little corners of nature. If we don't re-naturalize our own properties, we won't have anything left. So we put those two concepts together about loving nature and creating it at home, as Doug Ptolemy's movement does, bringing nature home. It's no longer over there, it has to be home, and we have to change the conversation from roses to native asters, and we are all going to be happier for it. Not something we should do, something we're going to love to do. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Now, for folks that, and I live in the country, so I have space and I have the, you know, I already have the plants that are growing here, you know, um, but for folks that might not have that, like you mentioned, in suburbia, you've, you've made it a haven for butterflies, so you've got your milkweed. Now, how would folks go about getting milkweed and to plant it? They're going to get milkweed at their local native plant nursery. So they're going to go to North American Native Plant Society, which is going to have a listing of all the places in their area that they can get every kind of native plant. Now the milkweed is a terrific uh, plant to start with because it's a host plant for caterpillars and it's a nectar plant. A host plant is a plant that caterpillars eat and a nectar plant is a plant that adult butterflies sip ne nectar from, and the uh, milkweed does both. Then they're going to get an assortment of other host plants that bring other caterpillars to their area. Now we've got a yard full of butterflies, caterpillars, 
And each plant, like the milkweed, brings a whole community of interesting insects to it. And birds? Birds, do you know that it takes 900 caterpillars to feed a clutch of chickadees? That's what birds feed to their babies, not the seeds you have out there. That's fine. They eat seeds, but not babies. Babies love soft insects, and the mother plunges caterpillars down their throat. And the father, too. And I, I am an avid bird watcher. I have bird feeders all over my yard. <laughs> I am known as the crazy bird lady. And I said, well, I accept that title. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> that's what I enjoy watching the birds. And I've got, you know, my different bird books and I can tell everybody that's that and that's, you know, what their names are and everything. But that's, that's interesting. And I know a lot of people don't, don't even realize that, that that small part of nature, that whole circle of life, I don't, a lot of people probably just, well, they overlook it. Like I said earlier, there's, you know, we often overlook or take for granted just the amazing things that are happening right around you in your, in your own slice of the world. You know, it may seem like a small slice, but you can make that slice into an amazing world for all different kinds of things. Not only you and your family, but like you said, with your family over decades, You've made it a sanctuary for all kinds of insects and bugs and butterflies and, you know, and the time spent with your family doing all of that and sharing all of that. That's, there's, it's priceless is what it is. That's bonding. Exactly. Exactly. Slice by slice by slice by slice, we're going to get a whole pizza. And if we put a sign in front of our house, then our neighbors are going to see what we're doing and we're going to explain it to them and to the next one and the next one because we have to have these uh, oases continuous in order to keep the population stable. Absolutely. You know, I've got some, I've got some friends here that I have locally where I live and they are bee experts. I know there's a word for it, but it's, um, I can't think of it right now. But they are super passionate about the bees and how they help the planet and what they do and, you know, the benefits of honey and all of this. And they, they've got such a, you remind me of them because they've got such a passion just as you do for the butterflies and how we how it all interacts and intertwines with everything. I don't care whether you like bees or worms or salamanders or beavers or fungus some people go wild about fungus let's get out there and find what turns your crank and starting off with caterpillars if that works for you great but my new book is all about just getting out there and finding something that resonates with you then it's a beautiful thing and i'm so glad that you're doing it because someone has to you know <laughs> And you're able to, you've now got yourself a platform where you've got, you can get that out there, you know, worldwide with your books. What an amazing journey that you've had. Now, you mentioned that your goal is to be a motivational nature speaker. I love, I love those words together. I, I just love all three of those words together. Now, have you been able to go out and do that in your local area yet? I've actually been doing right from the beginning without defining it that way, because I would never teach someone how to raise a butterfly without then explaining that the butterflies are in trouble and this is how you can help. And things that you need to do are not just grow uh, native plants on every inch that you see and even steal the, the boulevards, 
but contact the politicians that every park has to switch to native, every fire hall, uh, any municipal building. Then the, the, it, when I went to Minneapolis, the gas stations had milkweed along the edges and Minneapolis is filled with, with butterflies. So I, I encourage people to be activists that way and to get their mayor to take the, the National Wildlife Federation's mayor's pledge, which means that they're going to do all kinds of things that are friendly to monarchs. And if you do something that's friendly to monarchs, it's going to spill over to everything. And my city, Toronto, is now teeming with butterflies that it wasn't before because our mayor took that pledge. And teaching. I actually give out my presentation to everybody. I encourage everybody to be a teacher because I'm only one person and I've been doing that since the beginning. All they need to do is write me at monarchcrusader at gmail.com. I will send them my PowerPoint presentation for free together with a script. So I've been doing that from the beginning and now I just want to speak to larger audiences. I want to do keynotes and I want to speak to the not converted. I love that goal. And if I'm able to help you in some way, even with just you being a guest on this podcast, I certainly hope that it helps you on your journey. I was going to ask you if you give presentations or anything like that. Do you do any of them virtually? For two years, I've been doing them. Oh, well, <laughs> silly question. It's COVID time, huh? And, and um, uh, the last one that I did is actually posted to YouTube so someone can see uh, a, a full length presentation. And awesome. I have to think about doing that more. You should. The way that you come across, and this is just my, my perspective, but you come across as passionate about what you love doing, obviously. But then it's, it's I, I've learned numerous things just listening to you talk. I, there are several times I said, I did not know that. And I'm one that's out in nature all the time. You know, so there's, we can always learn something. And I think that Helping this planet is certainly something that we need to be focused on. And like I said earlier, our small slice of it, we can do all kinds of things to keep our small slice where we're at thriving. So I am, goodness, I have so many other questions. We're running out of time. I want you to let folks know where they can find your books and where they can find you, uh, your online presence and all of that so they can learn more about you and your mission. My first book is How to Raise Monarch Butterflies, a step-by-step -step guide for kids. You can find that at your favorite uh, retailer. And my brand new book launching very soon is called Five Butterflies. Uh, I will be having a book launch very soon that I will announce on my Facebook page. My Facebook page is monarchcrusader.com. Now, are your books available on Amazon? Amazon and everywhere, national parks, state parks, every library has a copy of How to Raise Monarch Butterflies. Awesome, awesome don't stuff. don't have to buy it, but if you do want to buy it, it's 10 bucks. You buy it for the, the first kid and they all share it. And I was gonna say, you know, it's, it's well worth it. Well worth, you know, what you're gonna learn is worth way more than $10. It's, you know, it's priceless. So thank you so much, first off, for doing what you do and what you've been doing for decades and sharing your mission and your passion with, you know, countless, countless people over the years. And 
I wish you the best of luck on continuing on your journey. And I look forward to seeing your name pop up online at different places randomly for me that says, you know, the motivational nature speaker, Carol Pasternak. I'm looking really forward to seeing that because I know that you're going to, you're going to do very well with that expanding on that, even though you've been doing it for years, but thank you so much for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. This has been an absolute pleasure and I'd love to have you back after you launch your second book, because I want to see how that's going. And I want to learn more because I have a whole bunch more questions yet. <laughs> thank you so much, Kim. I and thank you for giving me this platform. Kim, this is my very first podcast. And now that you've made it such a great experience, I'm just going to have to do it more. Well, absolutely. They're fun. They're fun. And it's a whole different platform for you to reach a different audience. This is awesome. I didn't realize this was your first uh, podcast. It is. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, you did an awesome job. <laughs> You're a natural. You're a natural, Carol. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining me, Carol. And all of you out there listening, thanks so much for turning, tuning in to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode and we will, well, you will hear from me and another guest soon. So everyone be well, stay well, and be blessed. <laughs>